evening, everyone. Uh, I am Father Chris Alar. I am the director of the Association of Marian Helpers in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. Okay, why this talk? This talk is why the Catholic faith has the fullness of the truth, and it leads into God's divine mercy. The reason why we are doing this talk, I haven't done this talk in about four years, and it's because a new study that just came out states that only 17% of Catholics believe that our Catholic faith is the fullness and the one true faith. I absolutely was dumbfounded. And to be given the gift that we've been given in our faith and have only 17% believe that it is the one true faith. Now, I want to point out in the very beginning, I'm not here at all to lower other religions. I'm here to elevate our faith to the place it belongs, the religion started by Jesus Christ. And this religion is different than every other religion. I'm not out to discredit anybody else or to lower anybody else. Please don't take it that way. Hear me out and then you make the call. Does that sound fair? Okay. So that's what will true. Now, our faith, the Catholic faith, is one of the most misunderstood, it probably is the most misunderstood faith in the world between Bible only, faith alone, the Pope, saints, relics, purgatory, Mary, the Eucharist. These are all things that we are misunderstood. But Fulton Sheen had an excellent quote one time, and he said, millions of people hate what they think is the Catholic Church, but very few hate what actually is the Catholic Church. And I think that's important. I'm doing this talk because we are losing Catholics everywhere, in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, and I'm not meant to be a downer here, but we will be morally responsible if we let our loved ones fall from the faith without at least showing them the love that we have of our own faith. It doesn't mean you have to push them or, or that you stand on a soapbox or that you gotta be forceful with them or cause division. No, no, no. All it means is that we wanna see the beauty in our own faith. This is important. Now, as I said, it does matter what you are. It does. The Catholic Church has gotten so many black eyes, and deservedly so, because she's human and divine. In her divine nature, she's perfect. In her humanness, in her human nature, she's been pretty stupid. And so we're going to focus on the divine nature today and talk about that. Now, did you know that the Catholic Church basically built Western civilization? Universities, hospitals, charities, education, these are all because of the Catholic Church. 
Every day, the Catholic Church feeds, clothes, shelters, and educates more than any other organization in the world. This could all end, however, if our government has its way. And if this is taken away from the church, taxpayers will have to pick up all of this loss because the church educates, feeds, and takes care of millions. You see, the government doesn't realize that when they keep threatening the Catholic Church. We're going to strip you of this and strip you of your tax-exempt status and all that. What they don't realize is then they're going to have to pick up the tab on billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that the church spends on taking care of society. All right. Today, there are over 40,000, or I should say almost 40,000 Christian denominations. Now, I raise the question, they all believe something different, or they would be the same religion. There's 40,000 or almost 40,000 Christian denominations. Now, can you have 40,000 different truths? No. So which one has got the fullness of the truth? The church even admits all other religions have some of the truth. But only one, there can only be one truth. Let's look at this. You know, when um, I lived in North Carolina, all my neighbors were Baptists. God bless them, they were good people. Probably the holiest person I ever knew in my life was my little 98-pound Baptist secretary. But who started the Baptist religion? Anybody know? John Smith in 1609. When I lived in Utah, I was a real little kid. All our neighbors were Mormons. They were some of the nicest, most honest people you ever met. No crime. We didn't have to lock our doors. The Mormons are beautiful people, but who founded the Mormon religion? Joseph Smith in 1830. Then I lived in Michigan. My neighbors were all Episcopalian. God bless them. They were great people. But who started the Episcopalian faith? Some people say Henry VIII. Actually, yeah, that's a good guess. But the American version, Episcopalian faith, was Samuel Seabury in 1789. Now, God bless Samuel Seabury, but he's not Jesus Christ. Who started the Catholic faith? Nobody, nobody even lays claim to this. Even history doesn't argue this. It was Jesus Christ. And this is important because one of the missions Christ had when he came to earth is he said, I'm going to start a church. But does anybody here think that Jesus is going to come to earth, say, I'm going to start a church, which he did, and then say, I'm going to start a church, but I'm going to get it wrong for 1,500 years until Martin Luther gets it right. I don't think so. Do you know the church fathers for 1,500 years wrote about Mary and the Eucharist more than anything else? Two things that are only Catholic. Yes, we are challenged by our Protestant brothers and sisters. God bless them. Jesus is the only mediator. This is true, but his body is the church. So when we go through the church, 
We are going through Christ as mediator. The world's oldest continuous running institution still in existence is the Catholic Church. You think that's by mistake? It's despite ourselves. You know, when Napoleon once said to a cardinal, I'm going to destroy the Catholic Church. And the cardinal said to Napoleon, you think you can destroy the church? And Napoleon said, yep. And the cardinal said, priests and bishops have been trying to do that for 1,800 years. What makes you think you're going to do it? All right. The fact is, the church is divine and it's human. In her humanness, she makes the mistakes. But we are patterned. People don't understand this. Many non-Catholics will say, you know what? You only need scripture. You only need the Bible. That's all you need. But who do we come from? Christianity comes from the Jews. And the Jews had the same three legs of their stool that we have. We're not scripture only. We're also tradition and the magisterium, right? You should know this. Do you know the Jews? They were magisterium. It was the teaching authority of Moses. They also had a second leg, scripture, which was the Torah and the Ten Commandments. And they had the third leg of our same stool. They had tradition. It came down with Moses and is throughout the Old Testament. All right, let's start with the Bible. Are we Catholics Bible-based? Oh, come on. Okay. Scripture is needed, but it's not sufficient. How do I know this? It says so in the Bible. The last chapter of the last gospel, John, says very clearly... If everything Jesus said and did were to be written down, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. Well, we know that the Bible isn't all the books in the world. The Bible's this thick. So does that mean the other things Jesus said and did aren't important? Absolutely not. Sola Scriptura, Bible only. Is that in the Bible? Nope. But guess what is? Oral tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Jesus never promised a book, but he promised an authority, the church. And this is important. What came first, the mass or the Bible? The mass. The Bible was created to be read at the Mass. And we will talk about that. This is why 1 Timothy 3.15 says, The church is the pillar and the bulwark of the truth. It tells you what makes up the Bible. You know, um, a quick story. I had a great employee down in North Carolina named Ed. Sadly, he was a fallen away Catholic. And one day he's in my office, and I had a crucifix. Not quite that big, but a crucifix hanging on my wall next to, uh, behind my seat. And Ed comes in one day and he's talking to me and I see him keep looking up at the crucifix. And finally he loses it and he says, Chris, can I close the door? And I said, yeah. And he slams the door shut and he pulls out his Bible 
And it wasn't this big, but it was big. And he says, Chris, this is all you need. You don't need anything else. All you need is the Bible. I hate to see you going astray with all this other stuff. I said, hold, hold on a minute, Ed. You're right. I, we do need the Bible. But I got a question for you. Do you accept the authority of that Bible? He says, yeah. I said, do you accept the authority from which it came? He said, yeah. I said, do you believe every word in it is true? He said, yeah. I said, congratulations, Ed. You accept the authority of the Catholic Church. He went like this. I said, yeah, Ed. You have the same 27 books in your New Testament as we Catholics do. And the same four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know that there were other Gospels all over the place in the first century. Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Mary. Who determined those four Gospels and the rest of the 27 books? He looked at me with a stone face. I said, you know who determined it, Ed? The Catholic bishops in the councils of Carthage and Hippo in 393 and 397. The Bible as we know it didn't even exist till 350 years after Jesus Christ and the mass began before he died. The mass predates the Bible. The Bible was created to be read at the mass. And so, Ed, it's beautiful. You have a love of the Bible. But here's what's important. The tradition of the Catholic Church determined that Bible. You can't accept that Bible and reject the authority of the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is the authority from which that Bible you hold comes from. You hold the exact same Bible as I do. Maybe the translation's a little different. So we need an interpreter or everybody's going to read that Bible in a different way. You ever see these debates now that are going on? Even the political candidates are trying to bring scripture to justify their immoral lifestyle? Well, the Bible doesn't say this and the Bible does say this. And then the next person comes along and says, well, the Bible says this, and I don't think the Bible says that. You're all over the place. you got to have an authority that shows and interprets what the truth in that Bible is trying to say. In the United States, when our government works as it should, does anybody interpret the Constitution how they want? Well, it kind of has become that way, hasn't it? But nobody is supposed to just camp. I just can't go up and have a dispute with Tom, my employee. And, and Tom says, well, I interpret the Constitution. He says, you violated my rights. And I look at him and say, well, I interpret the Constitution that I didn't violate your rights. This is craziness and chaos. Who interprets the Constitution when we're supposed to be working the way we're supposed to be working? The Supreme Court, that's the governing body that interprets the Constitution. The Bible is our Constitution. The church is the Supreme Court. 
Otherwise, you're going to have mass chaos, and that's why we have 40,000 different views of the Bible. The Bible's for this. The Bible's against this. The Bible doesn't have a comment on this. Nine out of ten early Christians couldn't read. So how did they learn? They learned by the tradition of the church. Where did they get their faith in the learning of the scriptures? The mass. The Bible was created, as I said, to be read at the mass. But yet people are always so negative about our faith. Even our own Catholics. I love our faith. I will die for our faith. Please don't be offended that I'm up here trying to defend her. You know, I should be embarrassed to say this, but what the heck. You know, when I moved down to North Carolina, I started a business, and I, um, I was working seven days a week till midnight every night. And I remember about a year and a half into my business ownership, I was sitting in the office one night on a Saturday night. And it was about 10.30 at night, and I'm working. And some live radio show from the local Charlotte, North Carolina bar comes on. And they said, if you're not down here tonight, you are super lame. <laughs> and I remember sitting in that office thinking, you know what? I really am super lame. So I was one of the first guys ever to do online dating. It's one of the first guys ever. When I first went on the internet, there was all the six girls on the internet. And so there's some of these brand new, there was only like one or two dating sites at the time. And I started communicating with this nice lady from Charlotte, business professional, and we swapped stories, emails, and pictures, and things look good. And we decided to meet, and I said, well, I don't want to ask her to pick her up because I don't want her nervous. So we agreed to meet at a restaurant in Charlotte. And we go there, we start eating, and it's, it's going well. She's professional, she's nice, she's attractive, she's just a very nice lady. And what are the two things they tell you to never talk about on a first date? Religion and politics. Sure enough, I got my face full of spaghetti, and she pops the question. So, what religion are you? And I mumbled, Catholic. And she goes, <gasps> she gasped. And she says, how? How could you belong to a religion that burned Bibles, chained them to rocks so nobody could read them or have them, and put them into Latin so nobody could read them? Now I ask you, did we do those things? Yes. But my reaction when she said it was, we did? I didn't know my faith. She says, you did. And how can you be one of those Catholics? Boy, I'd give anything to meet this girl today. Because now I know the truth. Do you know the Catholics did burn Bibles? You know why? 
What does the government do when they find counterfeit money? They burn it. The church has never burned an authentic Bible, but they burned the Bibles in the Middle Ages that were heretical because there were all kinds of them. So yeah, the church burned Bibles, but what people forget to tell you is they burned the heretical Bibles, not the true Bibles. Secondly, did the church chain them to rocks? You bet. Y'all remember the phone booth? What was chained to the phone booth? The yellow pages. Why was the yellow pages chained to the phone booth? So you could use them and leave them for the next guy. If they weren't chained, some yo-yo would come and steal it. And then it wouldn't have it for the next guy. Back then, before the printing press, the Bible took three years to copy. It would take three years' wages. If the church would have left it out in the public square, it would have been gone in an hour. It was impractical to just leave it out there. They had to chain it to a rock so it didn't get stolen. Are you kidding? You all know the pen at the bank? What's the pen at the bank? You should see my mom. Every time I went with her to the bank as a little kid, it was the same story every time. She'd finish with the pen and she'd put it in her purse, zip the purse, and she'd rip it right out of it every time. Every time we went to the bank, my mom did that. No wonder they chained it to the, to the desk. And then did the church put the Bible into Latin? You betcha. You know why? Because still at that time, more of the world read and wrote Latin than any other language. When the church put it into Latin, it increased the span of the Bible by 20-fold. The church was getting the Bible out to the world. These are things people don't know. All right. Then she said to me, she put the icing on the cake. She said, okay, tell me this. How could you belong to a religion that added books to the Bible? What's she talking about? Not the New Testament, the Old Testament, right? Maccabees, Tobit, Sirach, Wisdom, all those, right? The seven books. She said, how did you add them? Why did your, your religion add them to the Bible? And you know what I said again? We did? No! Martin Luther took them out. Now, I'm not discrediting Martin Luther or the Baptists or the Lutherans or anything. But what I am saying is don't spit on the Catholic Church, please, because you think that she is doing harm. Now, there's another area we'll talk about later where she did do harm, and that is ridiculous, and, and that's unexcusable. But in the terms of the truth, you're getting the fullness of the divine nature of the faith. Here's what we're going to talk about. Luther claimed that these books were not in the original Hebrew, and so he removed the seven books. He said they were not in the original Hebrew. You know what we found out now? Dead Sea Scrolls, they were in the original Hebrew. So we didn't add them. Martin Luther took them out. She continued by saying to me, how could you belong to religion that is not of the Bible? <laughs> I said, what do you mean we're not of the Bible? She says, you Catholics are not biblical. I said, well, what do you mean? And she says, Romans 
you Catholics don't know the Bible. And I said, well, what? And she goes, Romans 3.28. You don't know the Bible. And I said, um, okay, what does Romans 3.28 say? <laughs> I didn't know it. And she says, you are saved by faith alone and not by works. And I said, interesting. By now I was starting to learn my faith. And she says, you are saved by faith alone and not by works. Now that passage is a real problem for Catholics, isn't it? Do we believe that? Do we believe you are saved by faith alone? No. So what's the problem here? How do we, how do we justify that? Well, first of all, that's not what Romans 3.28 says. Martin Luther added the word alone. Romans 3.28 really says you are saved by faith and not by works of the law. She didn't read and have a proper writing of the real scripture. We believe that. The real Romans 3.28 says that. Now, Paul says in 13, uh, Corinthians 13.2 that faith without love is nothing and it cannot save. James 2.24 says, see, you know the only time faith alone appears in the Bible is James 2.24. See that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Wow. All right, what about the Pope? What about the Pope? Is the Pope infallible? If the Pope says that the Michigan Wolverines are finally going to beat Ohio State this year, is that infallible? Yes. No, just kidding. <laughs> the Pope is not infallible in the sense of other than faith and morals when he speaks ex cathedra from the chair. You know how many times that's happened in history? Theologians debate it, but most agree twice. The Assumption and the Immaculate Conception. But yet you hear non-Catholics will tell you, you think the Pope says if it's going to rain tomorrow that you have to take your umbrella or you're being disobedient. No. Infallibility is only in faith and morals. Anything else is not. And the Pope does have primacy. You know, Peter is mentioned 191 times in the Bible. And the next most mentioned apostle is John 48. All the apostles combined are only mentioned 130 times. Peter's mentioned 191. So after the apostles died, more authority is needed to guard against heresy. There has to be unity. Every institution needs a leader. This is what the Pope does. And here's one I guarantee if anyone here has ever heard this, come see me afterwards. Because I've yet to find a single place that has ever taught this. And I think this is the sealer of the deal for the papacy to me. And if anybody has ever heard this, come see me afterwards. Because I've spoken to tens of hundreds of thousands of people and I've never met one Catholic who's ever heard this. In 80 AD, the church at Corinth had issues. And they went to Clement I, who was the fourth pope. Now, what apostle was still alive in 80 AD? John. 
So the church went to Clement I, the fourth pope, although John was still alive and living much closer to Corinth than Clement was in Rome. They went to Clement over a living apostle. And when it got back to John, you know what John said? He didn't say, well, I'm offended. I'm the apostle. John said, absolutely. He is the true leader of the church. He is the head of the church. This is the man who laid his head on the breast of Jesus. There isn't a single person in the world today other than probably the some members of our magisterium that would understand this. Everybody would say the church should have went to John. He laid on the head of Jesus. He's a living apostle. And here John himself says, I'm not the head. Clement I is the fourth pope. This is unbelievable. The first 200 years, all the popes were martyred except one. This shows the Romans certainly knew who the head of the church was. A doctrine proposed by a pope in his own opinion, but not proclaimed as doctrine of the church can be rejected. Have you ever disagreed with Pope Francis? Are you entitled to? Yes. We're not blind sheep here. Unless he speaks ex cathedra morally from the chair, you can disagree. His view on the wall or whatever it is. Now, when he's in union with the bishops and encyclicals come out, yes, we need to listen. Now, here's one more for you. I had a non-Catholic say this one to me, this one I love. And the non-Catholic said to me, Peter is not the Pope. And I said, why? They said, read the Bible. I said, okay, I got it. And this person said, turn to where Peter said, or Jesus said to Peter, you are the rock. And on the rock, I will build my church. I said, okay, there it is. He said, well, our Bible study, we went back to the original Greek. This is rare. Non-Catholics usually don't go back to the Greek. But they did. Hats off to them. And this non-Catholic said, we in our Bible study, we went back to the Greek. And the problem is, Petros would have been masculine. So Jesus would have said, you are Petros, meaning Peter the rock. Instead, it was Petra, which is feminine. And he said that proves that it wasn't Peter who is the rock. That, that maybe it's the Jewish people, but it's feminine as a whole. Jesus would not have said Petra. He would have said Petros. What's the problem with that argument? Jesus didn't speak Greek. He never spoke Greek to his apostles. He spoke Aramaic. And in the Aramaic, there's only one word for rock, kepha. So this is just simply a translation. 
it would not have been of Jesus' words. He wouldn't have said that. He didn't speak Greek to his apostles. He could, but he didn't. These are all the places our Holy Father, the Pope, is in Scripture, Matthew 16, 18. Christ said that Peter was the rock upon which he would build his church. Luke 22, 32. Jesus gave Peter the mission to keep his faith and to strengthen his brothers in the faith as leader. Matthew 16, 19. The keys were given to Peter to signify authority to govern the house of God, that is the church. John 21, 15. Jesus gave Peter the authority by instructing him to feed his sheep after he died. Matthew 16, 19, the power to bind and loose was given to Peter in particular as authority to pronounce judgment on doctrine and to make decisions on church discipline. We are scriptural. All right, what about the craziness of the saints and the icons and the relics? Okay, I'm running out of time, but I want to hit a couple of these. All right, why do we have saints? You crazy Catholics. What are saints? Guys, they're just good examples. Now, every single parent who has a child playing football, do they say to them that I want you to be like your great-grandfather at his age? No, they say we want you to be, and they usually model an athlete. So I said earlier, who's the greatest running back in the history of the NFL? Barry Sanders. Thank you. <laughs> so anybody would say, look to Barry Sanders. There's the model of humility and talent. <clears throat> He's the guy to model after. Does anybody criticize that? Would anybody criticize somebody for saying, I want my kid to be like Barry Sanders, humbly toss the football to the referee, not to do a bunch of dances in the end zone, not to use all kinds of four-letter words in the media? Barry Sanders never swore on an interview. He never criticized a teammate on an interview. He never, even when he had a bad game, ever blamed anybody else but himself. Barry Sanders was a model. What Nobody criticizes you for having Barry Sanders as a model. Why are we criticized for having saints as models of virtue? They show us how to do it. Oh, well, you can't talk to saints. They're dead. Did you read today's scripture passage? Who did Jesus talk to? Come on, we just had it. <laughs> Moses and Elijah. They had long since deceased. And Jesus talked to them, was right there in the scripture. All right, what about icons and statues? You crazy Catholics, you can't have those. They're graven images. Okay, then you need to remove that picture of your family off your desk because that is a graven image. Are graven images disallowed by the Bible? The purpose of worshiping them is not allowed by the Bible. Exodus 20, verse 4. God prohibits graven images for the purpose of worshiping them. You don't worship them like the golden calf. Exodus 25, 15, 18. God commanded Moses to make a statue of angels. And Numbers 21, 8, a bronze seraph to heal people. As I said earlier, the Protestants have nativity scenes. Those are statues of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. What about icons? 
These are ways that the church used to teach the illiterate the faith. What about relics? You should see people come to the shrine of divine mercy. They think we're crazy because we kissed the toe bone of St. Faustina. Non-Catholics think we're nuts. But listen to this. God does act through secondary agents, like even people and objects. Listen. Relics. A man came back to life when he touched the bones of Elisha. 2 Kings 13.20 God performed a cure through Peter's shadow. Acts 5.15 He also did it through Paul's handkerchief. Acts 19.11 They don't perform the miracles themselves, but through the intercession of the saints. All right, I'm running out of time. Let's talk about purgatory real quick. 1 Corinthians 3 says, man can only be saved but through fire. What does that mean? Well, okay. If there was only heaven and hell, that passage makes zero sense. Why? Because in hell, no one is saved. And in heaven, there is no fire. So Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, man can only be saved but through fire. It doesn't make any sense. In hell, no one is saved, and in heaven, there is no fire. Heaven, souls need no aid. In hell, they cannot be delivered. Therefore, there has to be a middle ground. Second Maccabees 12 says that they made atonement for the dead so they might be delivered from sins. The Jews have prayed for the dead, and they still do today. Since way before the time of Christ, early Christian tombs always have prayers for the dead. Jews early Christians, St. Paul, all prayed for the dead. This presumes a state of purification. Most people, not all of you, are not good enough to go straight to heaven, nor evil enough to go directly to hell. Most of us fit somewhere in between. It makes sense. And there are many other passages that don't have time, you know, like the paying of the penny, you will remain in prison until you've paid the last penny. All right. Let's finish up with the last few, last page. Is the church needed for salvation? Good job, little kid. Who said that? Raise your hand. Very good. Yes, why? There is no salvation without Jesus Christ, and Jesus' body is the church. Other religions can be united to our church, albeit imperfectly, so there's no salvation outside the church. It doesn't necessarily mean the four walls of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is in your heart. So can a pygmy in the rainforest be saved? Can he? Yes. It's funny because I gave this whole explanation at a talk about five years ago when I was first ordained, and somebody wrote to my superior, and said, Father Chris said only Catholics and pygmies in the rainforest could be saved. <laughs> she was very upset. And I was like, Father Kaz, I did not say that. Can a pygmy be saved? Yes, but he will be judged differently than you. He'll be judged by the natural law. We will be judged differently. Why? I don't mean to scare you, but to whom much is given, much is expected. We were given the gift of the sacraments and this mass and that confessional and that baptismal font as our way to heaven. 
You're handed the golden ticket. Don't miss it. A pygmy in the rainforest wasn't given the golden ticket. He will not be held responsible that he didn't go to Mass or read the Bible. We will be. Now, does that mean that one of our loved ones who have left? My nephew is one of them. My nephew now belongs to some church where the pastor rides unicycles and juggles. Now, he's still looking for Jesus so he can still be saved. But it's kind of like deciding instead of flying a jet from New York to L.A., it's decided that you'd rather walk. My nephew can still make it New York to L.A., but he's basically failed to step on the turbo jet and follow the quickest, easiest, and surest way to get there, which is the sacraments and the mass. Yeah, he can still make it, but it's going to be a lot harder. Walking is not recommended. You know who probably will be more responsible for him at the time of his judgment? Because he is looking for Jesus. You know who probably will be more responsible? His godfather. Don't take that responsibility lightly, especially when the Godfather is a priest. <laughs> Pray for me. All right, to finish up, we're almost done here. I'm going to throw a couple little miscellaneous items. We always hear about Galileo, right? Black eye church, you know. Didn't the church imprison Galileo, put tape over his mouth, threaten him with excommunication? Didn't all that happen? The true story is the church simply told Galileo to stop teaching that the world or the earth revolves around the sun until they proved it definitively. They said you can teach it, but please teach it only as a hypothesis. Why? Because it appeared to contradict scripture. So the church was actually protecting the Bible, not slamming science. They didn't know it. And you know what? It wasn't even Galileo's idea. You know where the idea of the earth revolving around the sun came from? Copernicus, a Catholic priest. And so this whole story got blown up by non-Catholics trying to show the Catholic Church is something untrue. What about the Crusades? We hear this all the time. You know why the Crusades happened? To defend the pilgrims that were being slaughtered, heading to the Holy Land. Now, that doesn't mean that our crusaders didn't do stupid stuff. They did. Like the Fourth Crusade and the ransacking of Constantinople. Dumb, dumb, dumb. We were stupid. But the crusades were created to protect pilgrims who were being slaughtered by Islam. What about the Inquisition? Oh, the church. Oh, my gosh. They killed all those people. They burned all those people. You know who carried out the Inquisition? A vast majority, 99% of it the nation states of France, Spain, and Italy. The church, actually, people would run to try to get the church to help because the church had the most lenient. They wanted their cases heard by the church. What about call nobody your father? Well, gee, the fourth commandment does. Luke 16, 24 says, Father Abraham... Paul calls religious leaders fathers in Acts 7, 2 and 22, 1. St. Paul tells Corinthians, I became your father. Like the like uh, Star Wars, right? 
Luke. Paul says, I am your father. So how do you explain it? You have to keep the context. What about infant baptism? Why are you baptizing infants for? Okay, I want them to grow up and make their own decision. I got two questions for you. I have a great friend. I still call him Brother Adrian, but he's here with his beautiful wife. I haven't seen him in years. We used to go to seminary together. Pray for him. He's expecting their first child. God bless him. Where are you, Brother Adrian? Or Adrian? I can't call you brother anymore. Okay, he's in the back. Now, Brother Adrian is expecting a child. I'd be shocked if he came out to me before Mass and said, you know what, Chris? Father Chris, we're going to have our little boy, but we're going to let him become 18 before he decides if he wants to be part of our family or not. That's insanity. He's born into your family. That's where God put him. Or it would be insanity if Adrian came up to me and said, well, we're going to let him grow up and decide if he wants to be an American citizen. No, you're born and you are automatically an American citizen. When an infant is born, they're born into the family of God. And when you baptize them, you are saying you are a child of God. This is why we have infant baptism. Because we become citizens of God's kingdom, adopted children. It's required for heaven. We are all born with Adam's sin, even children. So we need baptism. They used to baptize entire households in the Bible, including children. Okay, what about this? Jesus is the one mediator. He's the one redeemer. And you crazy Catholics call yourselves mini co-redeemers. John Paul, this guy was off his rocker. He called you Catholics mini co-redeemers. How dare you? Really? You know what co means? Co doesn't mean equal to. Co is from Latin meaning cum, which means with. It doesn't mean equal to. Paul said we are co-workers in the vineyard with Christ. Did he claim we were equal to Christ? Never. These are things that we don't understand. God wants to share his unique role with us. God is creator, but does he not share procreation with you? Yes, he does. God is, Jesus is the one shepherd. But did he not tell Peter to shepherd my sheep? Yes, he did. He shares this. What about once save, always save, Father? No, the Bible says we must persevere to the end and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What about this, Father? The fact that you're not the true faith of Jesus. Really? Well, only the Catholic Church's leaders, despite our stupidness, can actually be traced back to the 12 apostles. We call it apostolic succession. Anybody hear that term? When I was ordained a priest, hands were laid upon me by Bishop Holly. And when he was ordained, hands were laid upon him. And when he was ordained, that priest was, or bishop was ordained a priest, hands were laid on him. And when that bishop was ordained a priest, hands were laid on him. Do you know every living priest alive today, despite our stupidity, can be traced back to the one of the 12 apostles. Physically. No other faith can claim that. None. We have apostolic succession. So here's the end, everybody. Christ established the church to govern and sanctify. 
in his name until the end of time. To reject the authority of the church is to reject Christ and his gospel. But I want to say just a few words on the scandal. First of all, there is no words that I can say that justify even one case of abuse. Nothing, no way, no how, no nothing. It is unexcusable, and these priests must be swiftly and severely dealt with. It's difficult, but I implore your prayers for them because their souls are in jeopardy of salvation. They are in big trouble. If they don't get justice in this world, God will make sure they get justice in the next. There is no words that I can say that can even begin to excuse it. And I'm not even going to try. And I, when I give talks on the scandal, I split the talk into two parts. The first part is apologizing on behalf of the church to anybody here who has been a victim. The first part of my talk says, I don't know what else I can do but pray for you, do penance, fasting for the church. Then I spend the second half of the talk explaining that there is a misconception in our culture as well. I personally know two priests who are innocent, but were falsely accused. Again, I am not trying at all, but to shed the truth. You can look this up. This is true numbers. 85% of abuse happens in the home. 14% happens in schools and in extracurricular activities. 1% happens in religious institutions. And of that, the Catholic Church is in the lower half. Not trying to excuse it. All I'm trying to say is there are scandals everywhere. If you think this is just a Catholic problem, it's not. It's a broken humanity problem. Is it a Catholic problem? Absolutely. I'm not denying that. But is it only a Catholic problem? No. Do you know the general percentage of the population that are abusers? 4%. The population of priests that are abusers? 1%. It's way less than the general population, but way too high. Still unexcusable, unacceptable. Most abusers are married men. So it's not an issue of celibacy. Many TV evangelists, evangelicals, have fallen. Of the 12 apostles, one betrayed Christ, one denied him, one refused to believe in the resurrection, and they all abandoned him at the cross except John. Man is weak. Judas betrayed him. We have had priests and bishops betray our trust. We have had priests and bishops betray you personally. And all I can say is, I'm sorry. 
There is no excuse for it. But please, I beg you to do one thing. First of all, thank God you're here. But secondly, you don't leave Jesus because of Judas. We've had some Judases, priests and bishops. Please don't leave the church. Don't leave Jesus because of Judas. Nobody in history has left the church, has left Jesus, I should say, because of Judas. What we have done is unexcusable as a church. But what we need to do is pray that she will be healed. And that is all I can say about that. So God bless all of you that you're still holding on to your faith. This talk tonight was only because I'm afraid and I'm watching soul after soul abandon their faith. Please don't be one of them. Our Catholic faith is a gift. Some have abused it. Some have hurt your trust. Please try your best to hang on. And you'll know that I'm praying for you. Please contact me if you would like to discuss what I talked about tonight or if you need further explanation, because I apologize, I don't mean to offend anybody. But I feel called by God to speak the truth. And I think what I did tonight was my best shot at it. Amen? amen. Thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.